The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United and I seem to say this every single time we start a show but my goodness have we got a lot to get through. We've only been away for a couple of weeks but we've got Manchester United back in action, we've got a new contract for Marcus Rashford, we've got Harry Maguire being stripped to the captaincy, we've got Andrew Nana about to sign any second or probably tomorrow but when you're listening to this it might already be tomorrow and he might already be a Manchester United player. There's Johnny Evans back, bizarrely, uh, and there's also a striker simmering. That search ongoing, of course. I need to introduce you to our gentlemen then. We've got Laurie Whitwell, we've got Andy Mitten, and we've got Carl Anker. Hello to all of you. Laurie, I have to start with you. Where are you and what have you been sipping while we've been setting this up? Ah, well, yeah, if you've paid attention to my Instagram, I don't know, have you seen this yet, Andy? Uh, I had a cocktail from a restaurant called Fish Cheeks, which is in New York. I came out early because I just wanted to acclimatise to, you know, the, the rainy weather that is New York. <laughs> it's warm, but very, very drizzly as well. So, um, and yeah, I had a cocktail <laughs> earlier this week, Andy. I had sesame seeds sprinkled on top. It was called Tongue in Cheek. So I thought I'd do a little Tongue in Cheek uh, reference about you liking sesame seeds on your cocktails when I posted it. How much was that? About 40 quid? It was about, yeah, it was about $20, I have to say. But I hear that you've been buying expensive drinks with Carl. We've been in Oslo. Yeah, I mean, it's not a city you would ever associate with the word cheap, but Manchester United played there. Seems like a while ago now because so much has been been happening, but I enjoyed it. I hope Carl enjoyed it as well. We met lots of um, Norwegian Reds and it was was a a decent couple of days and it was raining there too. Stood outside the ground selling fanzines, got absolutely soaked. (laughs) It can't be soaking in Vegas and San Diego, can it? I don't know. I'm worried that the Manchester weather's going to follow everyone around. I bumped into Andy just outside the stadium in Oslo and I grabbed the umbrella from the hotel. And obviously Andy's selling United We Send, as he does. And he's got his umbrella. He's brought his daughters out with him as well. I'm going, do you, do you want a spare umbrella here? Like, for the magazines, at least, they might be getting a little bit soggy here. But we powered through. Had had some great drinks with some uh, very chatty Norwegian wet Reds. Um, the fun thing about Norway, Oslo, is pretty much every single pub has live music in it as well. So there was a very rambunctious individual on acoustic guitar just playing a variety of United chants all through the night, which I thought was pretty fun. Bit of a hotbed, isn't it, Norway, for Manchester United fans, Andy? I know you've written a piece about it, which is up on The Athletic, but... Just for English football in general, it's probably the most passionate place on earth outside of England for English football. Manchester United and Liverpool are absolutely massive there. And even Leeds, because they were good in the 70s and for a bit at the start of the 90s, yeah, they've yeah. got a really big support there. And people who travel over for games, not just likes on social media, you know, paid up members of, the, of their clubs. And we saw that. There were a lot more Manchester United fans in Oslo than Leeds fans, but a lot more Leeds travelled from England, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. As and it was the same when United played Leeds in Perth a couple of years ago. They're, they're a huge club and English football is very, very popular there. And the Norwegian league's pretty strong as well. So I think it's fair to say it's a big football country when there's only 4.8 million people there as well. So I've, I've got a lot of respect for it. Go and read Andy's pieces. There's lots of details about it. I'm going to rewind a little bit. Laurie, New York, you, you know United aren't there yet. They've been in Edinburgh today. <laughs> I know, yeah. Well, I just thought, listen, 
it's not often that you get to travel to these kind of places. You said that, so, but then we've been you asking know, if you've been to these places and that places while we were warming up for this, and it turns out, <laughs> oh, yeah, I've been there, done that. <laughs> well, this is my fourth time in New York. There I used to work here when I was at the Daily Mail in 2011, and then you know came for a holiday in 2018. Got married here like last thing, year, so you? I've you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the High Line. I've done what else were you trying to Chelsea get me to go market. to? Chelsea Market. I've done it all, you know. Uh, <laughs> although it's been very nice because a lot of people have got in touch with me and said, if you want any recommendations, and then I've, I've got a few. So, uh, yeah, there's a couple of United fans that have been in touch and I've, I have picked them up on stuff. So, Mr. Purple, little rooftop bar with a great view of Empire State Building last night. That was ace. Um, uh, yeah, but you are right in that, you know, the United were playing this morning. So, I just assumed that there's, there's, a, there's a pub called uh, Smithfield Hall uh, in New York uh, there's another one as well Long Acre Bar that I think they're showing the games you know on Saturday big support clubs so I thought I'll just I'll go down to that you know 9 o'clock in the morning New York time and, and watch the game I'm knocking on the door it's it's all pitch black I'm like I've got this wrong haven't I I should have called ahead in advance um, <laughs> fortunately it's only a five minute walk from the hotel and then the guy uh, who was on the step ladder they were like, having some work done turns out they were putting air conditioning in which yeah they did need air conditioning because I know it's raining but it is hot <laughs> and it, it, it became quite uh, apparent as the match went on uh, but yeah the guy came out and it turns out he was the owner Tom Irish guy um, really lovely guy because basically he said no we're not showing it it's nine o'clock in the morning what are you being stupid for um, and then basically I, I was on my phone waiting outside just like a sort of lost soul not really knowing what to do and then he came out and said actually yeah we, we can we can put it on so come on come on in so it was just us in this pub uh and he was yeah he was lovely company because he's he's been united fan for like 25 years he's he's got to know sir alex ferguson during that time because he would come out to new york and, and watch these games in his pub and he also knows a mr andrew mitten who's oh, starring in his pub tomorrow oh. night yeah, he he's having, around well, this lad, he's having he? back he's having back to back shows. I'm hearing one at one at this Smithfield Hall and one at Long what? Acre Bar. How's he done this? It's a world tour, Andy. What's going on? I've, I've been told it's Madison Square Garden, <laughs> not a bar. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just doing an interview with Wes Brown on Thursday at, at um, Smithfield, where you were. I've not been in there. It's a really famous bar, isn't it? Mm. I've never been. Yeah, it's a big old bar. They've got Times Square. So hang on, Andy, you've you've done Oslo already. You've got two dates in New York as well to come. Um, I hope you're saving some stories for us here, please. (laughs) I'll save, don't you worry. We should go to New York and do a podcast over there in the future, boys. That's what we should do. If you're listening, bosses, this is our pitch. Yeah, we probably need (laughs) to do our our Manchester and London shows first and make them work uh, before we get there. (laughs) Hopefully, Andy will have saved some stories. This seems a good point to remind you then. We are live on stage at New Century in Manchester on Monday the 4th of September, also at Leicester Square Theatre in London the night after September the 5th, the Tuesday night. The tickets are selling really, really fast now. We've got lots planned for the night. We're very, very excited about it as well. We'd love to see you down there. If you want to join us, if you've not already bought your ticket, you can head to myticket.co.uk and all the details are on there if you search for Talk of the Devils Live. Okay, right, let's talk about Manchester United back in action then. Carl and Andy, um, I'll talk to you a little bit about Oslo in a moment uh, and the match against Leeds, but let's get into the match that's just happened. We're recording this on Wednesday evening and none of us were in Edinburgh, unfortunately, but our friend Critch was. Here he is. Dan Gore. Great ball in front of Great ball in from Dan Gore from the right-hand side. And a precise volley. 
Hi lads, it's Critch here reporting from the Athens of the North, aka Edinburgh and Murrayfield Stadium where Manchester United have just beaten Olympic Lyonnais 1-0. Another good run out, another good pre-season win and a big day I think for Donny van der Beek who came away with the winning goal. Lovely goal, start of the second half on the volley. We all know Donny's not had the easiest of times, he's just done a Nick's own interview there where he's talked about how difficult it was coming through the injury. Um, even before that, we all know that things weren't exactly working out the way he wants to there. But that could be big. You know, people talk about pre-season games are not that important. We know they're not in that important uh, in the grand scheme of things. But it's games like this that can sometimes turn a player's form, provide a little foundation, a little platform. Younger players again, we saw, <laughs> as, the, as the United fans here all scream because they're just coming out to make their way to the coaches. But um, yeah, so younger players today, I thought, impressed the game. Uh, you saw Ahmad, you saw uh, Hannibal, uh, Kobe Mainu, all picking up where they left off last week with bright starts in that first half. Um, and afterwards, a, a special mention as well to Dan Gore, who got the assist for Donny's goal. Lovely little cross from the right-hand side. Um, so, through for four for Eric Ten Hag there, who's in, in terms of he'll go forward into the squad for um, for the Tour of States. <laughs> I guess we have to talk as well about one of the older players on the pitch, the oldest probably, uh, in Johnny Evans, who I don't think... Well, I don't think many of us expected him to be lining up in a United shirt this time last week. But now the big question is whether he's going to be lining up beyond this game and the one that he's got against Wrexham. It's just a short-term deal for now, as we know. But uh, I think the word on <laughs> that's been doing the rounds is that nobody's ruling anything out at the moment. And um, in terms of his performance, came on for the second half. And it was all the composure and the authority that you'd associate with a Johnny Evans performance. Well, lots of interesting detail there from Mark. Thank you very much for doing that. But I have to start in one place, and I'm sure everyone had the same thought as me. Edinburgh, the Athens of the North. (laughs) Andy, you seem like the type of person who might refer to Edinburgh as the Athens of the North. What on earth is that about? I thought you were going to ask me about the capacity of Murrayfield then when I was on stronger ground. I've never heard. I've never heard. Well, it's 67,000, but I've never heard. Edinburgh described that. Maybe because there's a lot of monuments there. I don't know. Maybe people who listen... (laughs) In Edinburgh, we'll say it's been known as the Athens of the North for years and Critch is smarter than all of us. Probably. Um, Carl, ever heard of that before? Was it just a bit sunny? It might be the weather, but, you know, the rare time that Murrayfield is doused in sunshine, but genuinely baffled by this. Let's have a quick Google. Andy beat Google on the last podcast, so I'm a little bit nervous about doing this, but um, (laughs) it says that Edinburgh was first referred to as the Athens of the North in 1822 when someone called Hugh Williams, who was a painter, um, exhibited watercolours of Athens alongside views of Edinburgh, apparently. Well then. Sir Critch is bang on. He's just made of culture. He's into his watercolours of the 1800s. He certainly has depth. Um, Laurie, you watched it. You you knocked a pub up to watch it. I watched it as well. I paid $7.99 for a month's subscription to MUTV. And after about half an hour, I sort of fancied getting the $7.99 back, if I'm honest. Yeah, it wasn't a great game, was it? it? It was. It was literally the only thing of note was Donny Van der Beek's goal, right? You know, nice cross from Dan Gore, a really good finish from from Van der Beek, and obviously you could tell from his celebration, even though it's a friendly, how much that meant to him, given his injury problems, given how much he's been on the. You periphery. could hear his scream actually, <laughs> all the way f- over the from commentary. Nothing to the north, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the other bit maybe to pick out was Matej Kovar playing the whole game, and the kind of clearly was 
uh, the passing out from the back is what he was trying to do and, and kind of a few hairy moments but actually it, it worked out pretty well didn't it so you sort of wonder okay is that something for Tenag to consider because we'll, we'll get on to the, the number one goalkeeper clearly uh, that's why he's been brought in uh, to, 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 uh, soon but just the fact that actually the number two number three situation is kind of fluid so does, does Kovar kind of put his hand up for that after that friendly uh, but yeah I think they're the only kind of talking points and I suppose obviously the return of Johnny Evans in a Manchester United shirt and, and how loud was that roar when he made that tackle in the, in the in the second half like you know there was obviously a warm affection for him from the supporters yeah brilliant I think it's been eight years since he last played for Manchester United it's out, come out of nowhere really this contract Unless you're Andy Mitten. He's got the inside track on it again, haven't you, Andy? I spoke to Johnny a couple of weeks ago. He spends a lot of time in Portugal. He was telling me where to go. And um, By the way, name three players who've played for Leon and Manchester United in the last decade. Oof. Uh, Raphael. Yep. There's one. Yep. Memphis Depay. Two. Can't just say yes, Carl. You've got to get one of them. <laughs> it's true. It's hard, this one, but he's a current first teamer for Manchester United and he's played for Leon, but he only played about five times. Varane? Nope. No. Uh, uh. Uh, uh. <laughs> Come back to it. You Give your answer and I'll think about it. So I thought Johnny was going to go to another club. He's 35, he's in good nick, and then he started training with Manchester United and, and training very well. And I don't think he should have ever been allowed to leave the club, if I'm honest. I said that when he went. And there were a couple of players who, who I thought that about. And then he signed a short-term contract. And I think that's a good idea. I can see logic in it. If you think Manchester United are losing quite a lot of central defenders and there's going to be backups needed, and his experience, he's got Premier League medals. I'm not saying he goes in and partners Varane, but he's a good, he's a very bright lad, Johnny Evans. He, he, he came through the academy, he went to Ashton on Mersey School, and he got straight A's in his exams. I once interviewed his headmaster. And he said, of all the Man United kids who have come through here, Johnny Evans. He said, Gerard Piquet was a bright boy, but Johnny Evans is super smart. And I once said that on Radio 5. And unbeknown to me, Johnny Evans was on the physios table at West Brom. And he heard it and started punching <laughs> in the air. Going, Did you hear that, lads? Did you hear that, lads? So he was buzzing off it. <laughs> No wonder he gives you yeah. tips uh, holiday in Portugal if you're uh, praising hey, him on hey, national imagine radio. Imagine if he gets in the first team. And, and well, I was going to say to you, you know, th- th- this is a this is a very short-term deal. It's not even like the short-term deal to the end of the season or the end of pre-season, even is it at the moment? But what what are we to make of the prospects of this becoming more than a two-game thing? You're telling him there's a chance. Imagine <laughs> if he stands out against Wrexham. <laughs> and then gets the winner against Madrid and everyone's buzzing over him. And he's the same age as when Raphael, as when Laurent Blanc came to Manchester United. He's a young 35 and he establishes himself back in the team and he gets the winner at City away. <laughs> and he he wins the Ballon d'Or and in two years' time. So he's there for two yeah, games. He's, he's for two games. <laughs> Does it come down to if Harry Maguire goes, basically, and, and, and then fitness? If Johnny Evans proves his fitness? Because you know, if they do lose Maguire you know, I know there's been links to other defenders Kim Min Jae obviously but he's going to Bayern Munich you know is it just as straightforward as okay you've got one in one out balancing of the books a little bit clearly with the signings that United are making and somebody that's not going to grumble about 
you know, being on the bench at all. But obviously it comes down to fitness. You know, he, he had a few spells out last season at Leicester, didn't he? But the, as you say, the kind of presence that he has around the place, you know, I can see. And it continues that link with Sir Alex, you know, with De Gea going and Phil Jones going. You've got a player that played under Sir Alex still in the team and won titles. Yeah, you see the start that was going around on Twitter. I think it's been every year since 1974 yeah. now. United have had a player contracted to them who played under Sir Alex Ferguson, Mad. which is incredible. Wow. I like stuff like that. Is that enough to give a guy a contract? <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> Eric Ten Hag is ruthless. He'll do what's right for Manchester United. There'll be very little sentiment in whatever decision he makes. But if you're seeing it's Varane and Martinez as one and two, you've got Victor Lindelof, who did well towards the end of last season. You've got Luke Shaw, who can play there. Then you're looking at Harry Maguire. He's not going to be happy being fifth-choice centre defender. Would Johnny Evans be happy with that? A lot more, I would say, than Harry Maguire. But I'm just seeing how I see it yeah I, I think it's a quick tune up see if Evans has got the ability to play 90 minutes again for a club uh, I know another Premier League club released a video of their training session and someone in the background comments about Johnny Evans as well so he might be headed elsewhere in the Premier League but it's good to have Johnny Evans through uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in Andy's boat I don't think he should have been sold on Louis van Gaal uh, I don't think a number of academy players should have been sold young lad should have been sold on Louis van Gaal. You know, if we bring Johnny Evans back, what's Raphael doing? Bring him back for the Wrexham game as well. What's Danny Welbeck doing? Well, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, get him bring back, back too. <laughs> Need a striker. <laughs> Darren, Fletcher's th- Darren Fletcher's there already in uh-huh. a different capacity, but maybe he can pull his boots on again and uh, not give us a scouting report on Laurie this time, possibly. <laughs> Okay, the major news now that is bubbling away as we record this on Wednesday evening is that Andre Onana, I think pretty much as we speak, is having his medical at Manchester United's training ground to be the new United number one. Now, we've spoken a little bit about Onana already. We've spoken a lot about David De Gea, of course. But Laurie, you've been across this the entire time. Your poor wife has had to put up with you writing about this throughout your holiday in inverted commas and doing that thing with my fingers in the air um what's the what's the stage that this is at then what's the likelihood of people listening to this having onana confirmed now there's there's everything done just just visa and and medical is that it yeah i I think he's even completed his medical to be honest um it's it's just the visa and i don't know the exact details of that but it's been something that from the get-go was flagged as as potentially needing time to sort um, but yeah it's all been agreed in terms of the wages in terms of the fee to enter uh, it did take a bit of negotiation um, so it was only on uh, Monday night when the fee got actually agreed between Inter and, and United so uh, that was as you alluded to there Ian uh, that was what time was that for me so that was actually earlier evening for me but then I realised that I needed to uh, you know, check it in the morning with people in England. Uh, so I set my alarm for 2.30 um, at New York time. So I woke up at uh, 7.30 UK time. Uh, yeah, whilst uh, my wife was asleep next to me, <laughs> I was tapping away on the phone. So uh, yeah, and so that, I think it's, a, you know, the fact that it's taken a bit of time to tease out sort of suggests that United are serious about 
FFP. I don't know if we touched on this in the previous pod. I don't think it was out at this point, but uh, Mark Critchley did a really good piece that actually analysed whether this was a real thing or not. Because I know yeah, yeah. Su- supporters and, and subscribers have certainly been asking. You, you keep you know, mentioning FFP. Is it, is it true? You know, is it real, or is it something that the Glazers are using as negotiation in terms of deals? Is it just the Glazers don't want to put you know obviously their own money in, which is, has been an issue you know, for, for the whole tenureship? But yeah, Critch's piece sort of looked at why it was a you know something to consider, and, and then you know United got fined by UEFA, and it was three hundred thousand euros for this was twenty one twenty two season, so this doesn't actually include the uh, potential Premier League scrutiny on twenty two twenty three. So yeah, I think go check that out if you're kind of uh, doubtful of, of whether the FFP issues are at play because it certainly has been a, a theme of the talks over Onana. Um, but I think the fact that they've now got him in, uh, we'll have a piece up on The Athletic uh, when this is all done, which kind of goes into a bit more depth about what happened and when and, and the kind of really interesting details around it because it is a, a, a one that I think when the season ended, people weren't really thinking about. You know, it was, it was striker, wasn't it? It was get a number nine in the door and certainly goalkeeper has become more of a pressing issue uh, in Eric Ten Hag's mind after that point. I mean, he might not be on the plane with the squad initially to go across to America. It's going to depend on visas and all that sort of stuff, like we were saying. But Andy, in terms of being decisive and getting this sorted, um, should we be praising United at this point? Yeah, I think John Murta's doing a decent job in the summer. If Mason Mount's obviously come in, Anana as well. Not the first time a player will have joined the squad in America. David De Gea's first ever performance was in America. Even Sergio Romero had to fly out there by himself when he signed for Manchester United. I think Eric Ten Hag, as Laurie touched on, his attitude hardened towards David De Gea towards the end of the season. Anana is a goalkeeper who he absolutely trusts. He plays to the style that he wants and he's pushed for it and Seems Manchester United going to get another player. All the players are costing about fifty million now, aren't they? Good luck getting a striker for that. But if there's a trend here, I'm quite happy with with that. Uh, I I saw him play twice last season for Inter in person and obviously on the television as well. He's he's not a goalkeeper you miss, but in terms of his style, he's very advanced. He plays fantastic balls out uh, to his fullbacks. Had some brilliant results, and everyone saw him in the Champions League final. Against who did they play against in the final? Can't remember. No, me neither. But he was he was the the, the only thing I took notice of that night in uh, in Istanbul last month. So I welcome it. I, I just sense that David De Gea's time has has been and gone at Manchester United. It was an unfortunate ending to to how it happens. But more power to Ten Hag. Look, if he thinks this is the man who's going to play to the the way that we play. Then, 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 great. And he's got a good backstory. There's been some really good journalism on the Athletic about his backstory. Yeah, Carl, you're one of those writers who's been looking at Onana's style. Um, like Andy said, the the detail of his career to this point is interesting. The battles uh, at international level with his manager for Cameroon, if people don't know about it, is an interesting read and an insight into what Manchester United are getting here as well. A very determined, strong-minded individual, exactly the type of qualities you need to be the Manchester United number one. Absolutely. Um, I'm not sure if Maverick goalkeepers exist, but Onana might fall into that categorisation. There will be moments in the season to come where he'll, he'll hit passes that United fans just you might not even see on the field and you'll go, oh, how'd you spot that? There'll also be moments where he'll probably be doing a Cruyff turn where, where someone's closing them down and you go, just get rid of it. 
it'll, it'll take some time to get used to. I'm looking forward to that collective anxiety around Old Trafford when he does something <laughs> risky straight away because it is going to take some getting used to, isn't it? Definitely. Oh, yeah. I think he's going to be the biggest difference one player can have in a spot since maybe Bruno Fernandes came in for Andreas Pereira. And then you just immediately saw everything worked a lot quicker up front. Uh, and I think Onana as well, he should just allow the likes of Casemiro, the likes of Mason Mount, the likes of Luke Shaw and Wan Bissaka just play five yards forward. Um, and, and beat those annoying pressing systems that happened, particularly away from home. If you remember some of those games last season where the ball just kept getting funneled to Rafael Varane and you're going, this isn't getting forward quickly enough. Onana should skip that bit. So very, very excited for him to turn up. I'm really excited. I mean, I, I remember feeling as a kid really excited when United signed Fabian Barthez and there's almost the same sort of sensation. Now, I'm not going to go out and buy a short sleeve goalkeeper top and put Barthez number one or Onana <laughs> number one, if that's what he is, on the back of the shirt. But I, 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 I get that sense, like you were just saying, that this could completely revolutionise the way that Manchester United play. Just before we move it on then, I said about... Uh, a striker search being ongoing for United. Now, obviously, there's a detail about FFP that you were talking about a moment ago, Laurie, but David Ornstein's reported about personal terms being agreed with Rasmus Hoyland. Um, what do you understand to be the situation with this? Yeah, David's info um, is obviously excellent. And he's he's Rasmus Hoyland was the one weeks ago, I can't remember when we first spoke about it, but he was the name that I'd heard as the one that had a chance because... He was he's available in the way that, you know, a young player who's kind of eager to take the next step is always available. And then the alternative one was, was Rando Colomani, who was also told about. And I think he's, you know, he's, he's become very much the backup option, depending if they can get Hoyland over the line. Now, obviously, Atalanta have been, to my information, asking for 100 million euros, which is just far beyond anything that United would pay and could pay, whatever you think about FFP. And uh, But the, the info in, in David's piece was that, OK, maybe they would be open to 70 million euros plus 10 million euros, which is now getting more into a palatable uh, domain. He also did a piece last week uh, that discussed United proposing players in terms of uh, part exchange. Now, that is quite a difficult thing to do, you know, to get a player on board and, and make it as part of one deal. But maybe they could offset the cost by, you know, selling a player to Atalanta. Those talks are kind of still going on. But I feel like it will be one that might take a bit of time if they actually end up doing it. I mean, he's, he's 20 years old, so he's, it would be a risk for United. But I think maybe just going back to the goalkeeper point... Ten Hag has looked at it and gone, actually, Andre Onana is someone I can absolutely depend on to totally transform how my team plays. Maybe I can allow a striker to have a bit of time to, to, to get into his, his groove in England. It doesn't have to be um, you know, hitting the ground running. He would want proven, ideally. That's what he's been asking for. That's Harry Kane. I mean, it just feels like that one's been parked with Bayern Munich, the ones that are, are, are advancing that one. You know, there's a there's a hope, you know, I'd, is there any chance at all that United are letting Bayern Munich set a price and then they come in and kind of swoop at, at the death? That's I've not heard anything to suggest that, but that's just what you could perceive as, well, as potentially it, happening. they can't afford it, can they? Based on Critch's FFP article. Well, that's it. But then you look at the Hoyland fee and is that so much different at the moment? No, I mean, true, okay, if they're, if they're coming down, then yeah, it is different. And also, you know, Daniel Levy has said he doesn't want to sell to a Premier League team. You know, that's that's case closed if, if you take him at his word. So that's, that's why the Hoyland thing is, is developing. And I think that United will just, again, chip away at that one. You know, they've obviously got a good price for Mount. 
I think, a good price for, for Onana. And I know with, with Mount, you can say, well, he only had a year left. And with Onana, you can say, well, he was available for free last summer. But I still think that United have actually gone for players that they can get an achievable fee and that they've taken advantage of situations, whereas they perhaps hadn't done that in the past. So I think that's a, a, a tick for, for their sort of recruitment policy. Now, obviously, it'd be great if they could spot Erasmus Hoyland before he goes to Atalanta and, and get him for, you know, the 17 million euros or whatever it was that they paid Sturm Graz before, um, you know, they, they signed him. I, I suppose it is a little bit difficult at United because you need to be able to perform in front of you know 75,000 people um, but I do think there's a scope for that that's the next step for United's recruitment in my opinion if they can get these players before they become these you know massively uh, inflated prices um, but yeah the Hoyland one's one to watch Okay I feel like this would be some sort of fanfare at this point because it feels like Manchester United have got arguably the most important piece of business done in this summer transfer window and it's not a transfer it's a new contract for Marcus Rashford. If only we had, I don't know, a co-author of his book, a friend of some description to reflect on how important this is for Manchester United. Carl, know anyone? Uh, Andy. Andy's normally pretty good at this stuff. He's written a few he? books. He knows everyone. <laughs> <laughs> He's written a few books. There's a couple of buying them right now. No, this is, this is a big deal, uh, both in terms of the news and, and in terms of, of the size of the contract. So it's a five-year deal. They'll keep Marcus Rashford at the club until 2028. There is no plus one uh, for those of you who still have memories of Ed Woodward's wheeling, dealing and contract extensions. There is a plus one in Onana's, by the way. There we go. It's still there. (laughs) (laughs) It's still there. Um, And and yeah, I think that that really has big effects for how Manchester United are going to attack for the next couple of seasons because if you've got Rashford on a five-year contract, you've got Bruno Fernandes on a contract that goes until 2026... Luke Shaw signed a new long-term contract as well. So you've got Shaw and Rashford combining on the left. Bruno Fernandes with his counter-attacking minded style of play. That means your, your man who's playing up top probably doesn't have to be the best in the air because Rashford's not really going to cross from the left-hand side. And if Anthony's going to play for a bit, Anthony's going to, you know, his crossing is sketchy at the moment. Uh, and then... If you're Jaden Sancho, you're going, all right, well, if Rashford signed a new five-year contract, you're probably going to have to move on to the right-hand side if you want to get more minutes. Or if you're going Nacho, you're going, okay, that's the left-hand side, locked down. I'm going to have to wait for times where Rashford is substituted or goes up front, right? Well, do we not expect Rashford to play up front? As, as things stand, you've got Marshall, who's you know he's, he's in the squad for, for the USA trip. It's just been announced, so he is going to be on tour. But you, know, you can't rely on his fitness. I, I feel like Rashford might... You know, start up top, you know, fairly regularly, and then you've got the Garnacho space. As things stand, unless they sign a striker, but even if you sign Hoyland, for example, are you going to put him up top every single week? Yeah, I suppose you, you get into the Vecor style situation where there are games against Barcelona, or there are games, you know, the the latter parts, or not the starting hour against Liverpool at Old Trafford where Rashford's playing up front as well. So, yeah, I suppose Rashford's probably now just become the number two striking option for United almost by default of Ant- uh, Anthony Martial not being relied upon injury-wise. Very strange. And I know it's only pre-season, but obviously Jaden Sancho has been false nine for two games now. So it, it does show that Ten Hag's kind of thinking, who can I put up top? And he's, he's obviously, he's, he's got his goalkeeper in, but he's kind of like, kind of configure his, his attacking line and, and 
finding creative ways to sort of solve that issue. Let's hear from Wayne Rooney on this. You might have seen already that David Ornstein has an exclusive interview with the man who was managing the MLS All-Stars team against Arsenal, is it? I think something like that. Anyway, that's not important. This is Wayne Rooney talking about Marcus Rashford and his importance to Manchester United. Yeah, I think he is one of the parts of the jigsaw, but, but also someone who could be the, the main man, the main player for, for Manchester United. And I think he had a fantastic season last, last year and I think the challenge for Marcus now is to, to go and do it for the next five, six, seven years um, and really, you know, take his, his legacy at the club to to a new level because he's, he's a player who could really, you know, he could quite easily go and break my goal-scoring record at Manchester United, which um, he's got the potential to do that if he stays at the club for a long time. So I really hope he, he goes on it and create a, a big leg, legacy for himself there. I think he's the same age as Harry Kane when he signed a contract that people have described as being like a prison term because he's not been able to get out of Tottenham. I think that was six years. This is going to be five years. Does Marcus Rashford risk falling into that trap or is it incomparable? Yeah, it's different clubs. Different, and, and that's no disrespect to, to Tottenham, but you know, if you're at Manchester United and you know they want you there for you know, a, a long time and they're offering you a new contract and I think, um, you know, just there's no need to go and be anywhere else, really. And and, and Marcus, as a, as a Manchester lad, has really, as I said, has got a chance to create a, a legacy which, you know, very few people um, get that opportunity to, to do. Well, you can watch that interview and, of course, read all about it on The Athletic right now. Rooney also speaks about the Glazers, about Manchester United's interest in Harry Kane and also the future of Harry Maguire. Um, This is the other big thing that has happened, Andy, since we last spoke, and that is Harry himself, actually, quite interestingly, confirming that he will not be the Manchester United captain moving forward. This has created a, a huge buzz of interest and stories and speculation around the media. I mean, to be honest, he's a player who's not played very much, it's not that remarkable that he's not going to be the captain, is it? And this idea that Eric Ten Hag's on some weird and wonderful search for the new man to wear the armband, it'll just be Bruno Fernandes, won't it? Probably. It, it's common sense. You, you want a captain who's playing. It's just not supposed to end like this. If you look at the previous 10 Manchester United captains, they've left in their mid-30s when they've left the club, not stayed at the club and continue playing under another captain. Harry's absolutely gutted, and that's fine. Not fine for him, but it's fine. You know, he's human. He's allowed to be disappointed, just as he was delighted when he got the captain's armband. He put that message out on Sunday because he didn't want three or four days of speculation because he knew, players knew. He didn't want it getting out, and he didn't want to be getting on the plane to America with the story breaking. I think it's a pretty honest statement which he put out there. And he just said, I'm going to continue working and doing my best. And that's all okay for him to think that. He's got a contract, he's entitled to say that. But is he going to stay at Manchester United if he's fourth or fifth choice centre-half? Especially when he's a player who you could get tens of millions for. You're not going to sell Johnny Evans for 40 million quid, are you? Well, they can try. <laughs> be, ch- be cheeky, yeah, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, be, be a heck of a transfer move if they signed him for free and then sold him for 40 mil. That'd sort the FFP Even 4 mil, I think, would like, probably yeah. be pushing it a little bit for his two-week contract. I mean, is this Ten Hag's way of pushing Maguire towards the exit door? Because, like you said before, it's unusual 
to continue at a club after losing the captaincy like this. And to be fair, Ten Hag could have just let what happened last season continue, couldn't he? When Maguire plays, he's captain for the rest of the time. Someone else wears the armband. It doesn't suit anyone that though, does it? Because Harry is one of the top earners and needs to be playing football and wants to play football. Eric Ten Hag doesn't want a huge block of his uh, wage budget on a player who, who doesn't play. There was a very significant quote from Ten Hag four days before the cup final where he very diplomatically but made the point absolutely. David De Gea will have to fight for his place and Harry Maguire's got a decision to make. Now, it was the first time either of those two players knew for certain that there was a doubt there from their manager. Because Ten Hag's the type of manager who's, he praises his players. So if Harry go, goes in and trains and works hard, that's okay. These things happen in football. Equally, if a club comes in and not offers a loan deal, but says, we want to sign him, and I think he would improve most Premier League teams. I really do. I think he's a good player. But I can see the reasons why it's not worked out for him for Manchester United. Equally, Harry said several times, football can change very quickly. It doesn't look like it at the moment. His stock's really low at the moment. He's having a bad time at the moment. But what if two central defenders get injured? What Harry needed last season was a couple of good games against really big teams. What he got was starts at home to lower-ranked teams. And there's an interesting stat when I did the piece for The Athletic. I think United only conceded one goal in the, the last 12 games he played for. But he's not going to be judged against Southampton at home. It's it's Liverpool away and Sevilla away. You know, that, that was horrendous. Was horrendous for everybody. Yeah, it was. Um, obviously, your piece is on The Athletic about Maguire being stripped of the captaincy, including that detail about Maguire's record or United's record with Maguire in the team towards the end of last season. Carl, you asked Ten Hag about this um, after the game in Oslo and he confirmed that it will be him who picks the Manchester United captain. There's no sense of a, a player vote or a popularity contest in any way. Again, this is him stamping his authority on United, isn't it? This is another move from him and yet how many moves he's made so far of him asserting himself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there were times where United fans would say, you know, who runs the dressing room? And the answer might have been Zlatan or the answer might have been Paul Pogba's inherited the dressing room. Whereas I think in the last couple of seasons, you know, I think under Oli, Oli became the, the dominant voice in the dressing room for large parts of his time there. Uh, and that maybe you said that, not me. Uh, and I think now, you know, who runs the dressing room? The answer is Eric Ten Hag. Eric Ten Hag runs the dressing room. He decides who the captain is going to be. Anyone who becomes captain will therefore be his authority. You know, will carry on Ten Hag's authority, but very much he's the one who swings the sword and everything comes from him. I think with the Maguire situation, this feels odd to say, but it might not have anything to do with Eric Ten Hag, but have a lot more to do with Gareth Southgate. You consider Euro 2024 is at the end of this season. If Southgate talks to Maguire and says, you're not going to be a starting option for England unless you're playing games week in, week out, that might be the extra you know, firework up him to, to seek a move elsewhere. Whereas at the moment, okay, yeah, it hurts and it smarts that he is behind Lissandro Martinez, Luke Shaw and Victor Lindelof to play in his best position on the left-hand side. But un until he learns how to play on the right to a degree as good as Lindelof or, you know, at least hopefully to a degree of Rafael Varane, he's not going to be playing too many minutes for Manchester United this season. So... 
he needs he needs playing time for his own good and he probably needs to start thinking about what he's going to do for England as well and that will be the I think that will be the bigger domino than the captaincy Laurie do you think it will be the end of your holiday by the time we find out are we calling it a holiday what are we calling it business trip I don't know <laughs> do you think it will be the, the end of your little soiree pre-work uh, before we find out about this captaincy and, and who gets it is it as simple as as him sitting down and just saying who it is or what, what do you think yeah I, I think he'll so the suggestion has been that Tanag wants everybody together uh, all the players in one place so he can just announce it because at the, before now you know you've got the international players returning back later than the ones that didn't play in the June uh, internationals so they haven't actually all been together that much if, if at all so you had the team up in Edinburgh today whilst others were still in, in Manchester I think so anyway they, they're going to obviously all join up in New York and yeah I imagine that he'll sit them all down and say Bruno Fernandes is my new captain um, it'd be interesting if he names any vices um, you know if, if Marcus Rashford gets you know oh vice captains there, sorry I thought he was going to there and tell us about all the guilty pleasures <laughs> he's had over the summer <laughs> Miami is on this sales uh, US tour, I don't yeah. think. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, like, what did the sesame scenes add to the cocktail? Punch. Were they were they toasted or was it just? They, they were toasted. Good okay. question. Yes. Okay. Uh, so I think there was a flavour of sorts in there. There was there was obviously some texture. Of sorts. <laughs> I, I can't really remember to be honest. I, I'd be lying, but it was a very nice cocktail. Okay. And I tell you what, I also went to a speakeasy. I mean, it wasn't really a speakeasy because it's like very obvious where it is, but above a five guys. Um, I've been there. So I thought maybe there'd be like a kind of get to knock on a door or like open a fridge and suddenly you're in there. It's just it's just a, a set of stairs next to the counter. But it was very nice. Uh, a very nice bar. I had a cocktail in there. and I can't actually remember what that one was called, but it was red. So I thought it was quite fitting for a Man United tour. Um, but yeah, obviously more cocktails will be had at different points when appropriate. <laughs> yeah, and we expect updates, of course, on social media about that, as well as all the other Manchester United stuff that's interrupted your holiday. Right, let's leave it there then. But thank you so much for interrupting you. you I don't even know what I'm calling it now, but thank you for coming on, Laurie. Uh, Andy and Carl as well. Thank you to you both too. We'll have lots more, of course, throughout the summer and throughout Manchester United's tour of America. Thank you for the minute for listening. Before you go, just a reminder, if you've not already, get yourself to Manchester and London for our live shows in September. We're at New Century on Monday the 4th and then at Leicester Square Theatre in London on Tuesday the 5th. Not many tickets left, to be honest. Um, If you've not got them already, get yourselves to myticket.co.uk and search for Talk of the Devils Live. We'll be back soon. Thanks again for listening. See you later. I've just been told that we didn't give you the answer to my trivia question. So as a reward for listening to the pod to the very end, here it is. The third player who's played for Manchester United and Olympic Lyonnais in the last decade is, drum roll, Anthony Martial. He played for their second team, but he also played four times for the first team in League On. Athletic.